Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about SEO testing, how you can get high results, traffic, sales and anything else that is related with your goals. I'm excited to discuss this topic with Will Klichlow. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, I'm excited to learn more about SEO because, you know, I found that uh, it's hard to uh, get all knowledge. You know, uh, if you learn every single day, you can find something else, something new. And you can go ahead because SEO is a huge topic, you know, very complex. And yeah, <laughs> you know, and today it's important to to adapt to some challenges, to learn more about SEO. And before we start, just tell more about your experience, background, uh, and why you decided to take this topic. Yeah, so, well, I, I've been in SEO forever. Uh, it feels like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm old now. So we started the company that uh, eventually became SearchPilot back in 2005. So back then, we formed an SEO agency called Distilled. And uh, I... Uh, worked in ran an SEO agency for uh, 15 years, and then just just before the pandemic hit, actually we um, we span out our technology. So we've been building um, a technology platform, and we span that out into an independent company called Searchpilot. And mm -hmm. the rest of the business was acquired by an agency called Brain Labs. And so yeah, these days my my job is running Searchpilot, which is SEO testing platform mainly for uh, large websites and, and bigger businesses. And it, the reason we kind of came to this, you, you mentioned that SEO is always changing, there's always something to learn. From all of those years of doing SEO consulting, SEO agency work, we just found over and over again that what we saw our biggest clients struggling with was the ability to get changes made and prove the value of, uh, of those changes. And so, yeah, that's what we really wanted to, to focus in on. So those last few years of Distilled, we had an R&D team that was building. My co-founder actually moved over back into engineering. We built a, uh, a software platform, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's kind of the big focus of, um, of, mm -hmm. of Search product right now. And you know, the, the way Google is going, I feel like it's an area that we just all need to learn from because there's always change on Google's side. So that, that's why testing comes into its own. Nice, nice. Love your experience. Uh, okay, I have the first question about, uh, uh, can you tell how to divide obsolete knowledge and uh, fresh insights, uh, new ideas? For example, uh, um, I want to share my story. Uh, in 2010, I started to do my SEO and, you know, uh, I got results by buying more backlinks than any of my competitors. I ran 12, you know, <laughs> and I created only e-commerce content that uh, Google ranked well this content. And uh, of course, after some uh, new filters, uh, challenges, uh, Penguin destroyed my traffic. You know, uh, I started to learn more about white hat SEO that I'm doing today. I started to learn more about user's intent. Can you tell how to divide obsolete knowledge that we have today from uh, something that actually will work for specific projects? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think your story is very common. I think a lot of people got started trying to find what worked in the moment. And mm -hmm. so we obviously, our, our whole work is around trying to tease apart the things that work from the things that don't work. Now, when you're doing testing, you're mainly finding the things that work right now. And so there is another layer that I like to think about, which is 
the sustainability of those tactics. And, and so you mentioned kind of trying to figure out what is what's likely to work for the long term versus uh, what might be obsolete knowledge. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, like the if you search on Google, I don't know, like link building guides, I can find a lot of uh, black hat techniques, you know, PBN methods. Uh, I can't tell that it doesn't work. Of course, if uh, someone knows how to use them, uh, I know some people can get high results with that. Uh, I don't recommend it's not my approach. I think. Uh, uh, it's it's possible to earn uh, good results with white hat SEO. It's only about patience, you know. If you are patient enough, you know, to create much better content than existing, and so yeah, you can get results. Can you tell how to divide this obsolete knowledge from uh, something I don't know, modern knowledge or uh, new skills or new ideas? Yeah, just because I often see this struggle when people send me uh, the article that was written like five years ago uh, and I can check out, no way, man, it doesn't work today. It's better to find something else. Can you lead our audience to the right direction with that? Yeah, so uh, in, in the danger of sounding too much like uh, an official Google rep, I think the mm -hmm. distinction for the long run comes down to how valuable is it for your users? So if you're doing stuff to the website that you can just see no path to ever benefiting a user, really, it's just a trick, right? It, it, it's a mm -hmm. hack. Then that is something that either has stopped working or maybe there's a short-term benefit from, but you can't necessarily expect to build your business around it. You wouldn't expect it to continue to work for five years, say. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the only way to tell if those uh, edge cases still work is to try them out. And I would say they're on a spectrum of if what's the worst case if this doesn't work? Is it just that you've wasted your time or is it actually going to harm you in Google's eyes? And I think mm -hmm. my, um, my, my metric for that is a kind of Google embarrassment factor. So if, if you do this and it works, how bad does Google look? And I think if you, if that's like, Oh, you know, you've got some slightly low quality content on your website, that's one thing. If it's, oh no, you did this by buying a whole load of links off some underground forum, that's gonna be much more embarrassing. And so the um, anything in the area of plausible deniability, you know, knock yourself out, experiment with that. Mm -hmm. Anything in the area where you're like, this would embarrass Google if, if this were to work, I would be much more sensitive about trying that on my main, certainly on any kind of main site, you know, you, you can try on a, on a standard site, but um, yeah. uh, doing it for your main business, I mm -hmm. think the, um, my focus has always been, you want to look for the things that are um, in the direction of things that users should want or, and or are aligned with information retrieval, hypothesis, you know, like some kind of idea of why this would work well for a search engine. And then, yeah, just do all your experimentation in those areas. But I, mm -hmm. I don't think there is a hard and fast rule. I, I don't think you can, there's no guaranteed way of reading an article and knowing whether it's still true, whether it was ever true. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, this is one of the big problems of the internet, isn't it? Is uh, it's full of, full of disinformation mm -hmm. and misinformation. Yeah, got it. Valuable. Okay, let's talk about SEO testing. Uh, for example, uh, if a website, has no traffic, you know, just uh, started newly registered. Uh, how to test uh, SEO methods if you have no traffic? We can't analyze in Google Analytics. We can't, you know, it takes time to get results. Uh, for a new website, uh, can you provide some tips how to test uh, SEO methods? 
Yeah, so I, no, I think you're absolutely right. I, th I think for a brand new website, you've got to focus on new page generation, new site section generation, uh, creating new content, because there's no point. All testing can do is optimize what's there. And if what, what's there is basically nothing, then there's going to be no, um, no data, like you say, no analytics available. Um, I would say in those situations, what I'm looking to test is more my approach so what we do in our, in our day job is really testing very small, um, uh, specific hypotheses, right? So there might be big changes to the website, but we have a specific mm -hmm. idea that if we make this change, this website will perform better in organic search. I think in the situation you're talking about, what you're really testing is not so much um, SEO hypotheses. You're testing, does it resonate with my audience if I write about this kind of content? Does it, um, uh, the, can I be competitive if I produce content in this uh, area of the marketplace? And that's, you're, you're more kind of testing marketing strategies in those early days. And I don't think it's testing in the sense of, you're not looking for analytics data and statistical significance. You're testing for resonance. You know, you, you write mm -hmm. an article and you see, hey, does this work? You start a podcast series and you start seeing if, if people enjoy it. The, you're running those kinds of tests rather than scientific tests in the early mm -hmm. days, I think. Yeah, yeah, valuable, valuable. Okay, uh, let's talk about content strategy. Can you tell how to create content strategy? For example, if, uh, you know, uh, I, I often see when webmasters just uh, use SEMrush or IHRS or, or any other recognizable tools, uh, uh, submit their keywords, find a list of keywords, and then create content uh, with these keywords. But, you know, uh, I think we have many different metrics like uh, keyword difficulty, I don't know, competition, many other uh, things. It's not only about volume. Uh, we are not alone. And many websites can't get results, if I remember correctly, like 91% of all websites have no organic reach according to HRS. Can you tell how to create the right strategy that will actually work uh, by analyzing your competitors and uh, considering clients? Yeah, so very much depends on your on the niche and your business and i think you need to the whole the word strategy is probably the most important thing in there that you need to try and understand how is it going to work with your position in the market your resources your capabilities um and how are you going to stand out why are you different to anybody mm -hmm. else who's looked at ahrefs data and could write the same 10 articles or whatever it might be i think my view is so I, I work mainly with bigger websites these days and i think for large websites you also need to be thinking about what's the what are the big scalable opportunities in your market and i would include that in content strategy but it's not the same as saying what blog post should we write you know that's somebody like zillow deciding whether to have street level data uh, you know city level data regional level data state level data you you're looking at what are the what's the right way of building your site architecture, actually. Mm -hmm. So my view is that you build content a content strategy from the building blocks. You, you work backwards from the business goals, and you say, okay, what we're going to need is we're going to need some uh, hero content, right? Some stuff that is like the the very best kind of thing that we can produce that is going to bring visibility and authority to the brand. We're going to need some stuff that is more utilitarian and 
uh, you know, people would expect to find the, this content on our website. We're going to have some stuff that's more product-led. So uh, again, it depends on the business. But if you have mm-hmm. a that can build scalable site sections, like that's where the real uh, scalable SEO opportunity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Uh, which tools do you use to uh, create this content strategy? Well, so I, I'm a little bit out of the game, game in terms of doing this myself in a hands-on way um, because, as I said, we, we moved on from the agency business into uh, into SEO testing software. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm not probably not a not a uh, the great best source of tool recommendations. But my view, though, is that whatever tool you're using, it's less about um, don't expect the tool to give you the answer. This is mm-hmm. I think, probably the the biggest difference so you mentioned you know just downloading that data and it effectively informs that content strategy right the next 20 pieces you're going to write or, or something mm-hmm. i was always looking for the themes and the trends and the ways of being able to stand out so you're looking for the insight not the data mm-hmm. Any, anybody in your market can download the same data from any of those tools that, that you mentioned um but where do you have a unique opinion? Where do you have unique data? Where do you have a unique distribution channel? Those are the areas where you can build insights from that data and you can build a content strategy that is differentiated, is different to what other people in your market are already doing. Um, mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah, and so I, I don't know, you probably have a lot of smaller businesses uh, in your audience. I think in smaller businesses, I would worry less about the tools at all. You can do most mm-hmm. of it googling around your industry you know like look for look for what people are writing about look for what uh what that tell what that tells you about the target market what it tells you about the competition and again find find those spaces because every i think every market has them and the more that you're um the more you can tie it to what makes your business different the more you're going to be uh going with the flow rather than trying to shoehorn in these kind of pieces of content onto your site that don't necessarily love it at all you love it love it i can explain why because you know i i can see when uh many businesses uh, just copy their competitors uh, but many websites that have traffic sales they usually highlight their strong sites no, and when uh new websites are trying to overcome strong sites of their competitors I'm not sure it's a good idea. It's better to find your strong side. And uh, I don't know, like content gap or uh, many other stuff. For example, if you have good positions with, uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, creating brand awareness or uh, creating some specific uh, types of content that cover uh, by enjoying Why not? So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Can you give me a strong reason to buy your uh, SEO testing software? Uh, and uh, uh, for this audience, what is the main difference? Because, you know, when I check out on Google, we have a bunch of SEO tools, a lot of SEO tools. I feel, I, it's hard to count, but uh, once I remember when I reviewed like uh, over uh, 200 SEO tools to analyze their uh, advantages, disadvantages to find uh, what actually I need to use because I create my tools as well. But can you tell about SEO testing? Uh, it's not common tool. You know, we have more uh, tools about uh, website audit, uh, traffic, but not about SEO testing. Uh, yeah, yeah well, so, reason uh, to buy this tool. <laughs> that, that, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of why we wanted to build this tool in this company. Because mm-hmm. 
as you say, the, the market for SEO tools that will diagnose a problem or help you with reporting and analysis, that market is super crowded. There are you know, hundreds, yeah. thousands of tools that, that, will, that will do that. We really wanted to do something that would actually help improve those websites and help get things done in a, uh, in a, in a more active way rather than just telling you what's wrong or rather than just helping you analyze how you've done historically. So the first thing I should say, though, is not everyone should buy our tool. We are quite focused in on a particular sector segment of the market, which is uh, we are for the biggest websites. So our customers are very, very big websites, typically big companies. Mm -hmm. And if you're a, a smaller software company or an agency or uh, a local business, you absolutely shouldn't be trying to buy SearchPilot. You should learn from our tests. So those mm -hmm. people, if they're listening, go to searchpilot.com, look for the newsletter and get the case studies and the test results by email because you can learn from those. But the people who should be buying our software are folks at uh, you know, much larger companies. Um, so mm -hmm. travel websites, e-commerce websites, uh, jobs, real estate, anything with you know thousands and thousands of, of pages. And I think what I would say to them is this is a unique capability. This is something that historically has only been available for uh, the very biggest tech companies. Your people like Pinterest started mm -hmm. the platform. Um, but now we've like made it available much more broadly. And without mm -hmm. it, I don't know how I would do SEO for those kind of very big websites, on-site SEO, because mm -hmm. what we find with our testing is it's just incredibly hard to predict which changes will actually be beneficial, which ones will be surprisingly negative, which ones you'll put a ton mm -hmm. of work to and they will make no difference at all. And our experience is that most, uh, yeah, it's early days, most people don't have the kind of technology that we offer and they are uh, they're generally not able to prove the connection between their SEO activity and the results uh, that mm -hmm. and I think that's mm -hmm. increasingly important and you know the marketing leadership is increasingly demanding that kind of accountability from their SEO mm -hmm. teams and so yeah there's different levels but you know it, uh, the the executive argument is this is uh, a way of connecting revenue to SEO activities, so you can manage mm -hmm. it all on search. You can you can uh, assign the um, the budgets and the uh, the activities in a way that is proportional with the results, and you can hold it accountable. If you're mm -hmm. more like a manager, this is how you can understand what works with Google. You know that you, you can actually drill down and say, look, we made this specific change, and we got this percent uplift in our organic traffic, uh, or we did this thing that we thought was very likely to work based off our keyword research, and actually. Instead of being positive, this has had a negative impact. So we're going to roll it back very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, can you tell uh, how to? <laughs> yeah, let, let me clarify this question. It's interesting. You know, uh, for example, if we have a website that has like I don't know a million pages, a lot of pages, and uh, most of these websites have no resources to. Uh, to fix all of them. Uh, I remember on Twitter uh, and uh, from a few uh, recognizable studies that uh, webmasters usually fix 40% of all errors that SEO provide uh, to, sh uh, to share with them because they have no time, resources, uh, other priorities. That's okay. You know, they can't fix everything. But uh, if we are talking about a million pages, if your tool uh, found uh, a bunch of errors, how to choose priorities and how to fix all these errors uh, with a small team? 
Very good question. I think what we well, one thing is that I think a lot of big websites with a lot of traffic maybe underinvest, and, and so they actually they should be building a bigger team. It's <laughs> it's mm-hmm. part of that, and mm-hmm. and um, we are one of the things that I hope that our technology enables is by attributing the results in revenue terms to the activities. We actually help folks make a case to invest more heavily in the SEO team, mm-hmm. the SEO software all of those kind of areas. But to answer your specific question, that is not necessarily something that you could do with, with SEO testing because you're talking about much more specific kind of page by page things, mm-hmm. whereas we're operating more at the template level. Um, I would uh, I, I would do a, a, a build a triage process. So I would mm-hmm. um, come up with some rules of thumb that say any page with more than this number of links, more than this amount of organic traffic, more than this amount of organic visibility, we're going to do a, a, you know, a, a, an A-plus job. We're going to manually review those. We're going to um, make, make our, our, our changes and fix every single error on those ones. The next 20% of pages, maybe they're uh, highly visible, but not the top, um, top 5%. And for those, we're going to uh, we're going to prioritize and we're going to say, okay, these kinds of errors or these kinds of issues need to be fixed across those pages. Mm-hmm. And then actually towards the bottom end of the distribution, we might be saying maybe there's 20%, 30% of pages that just shouldn't be indexed at all, right? Maybe we're wasting crawl budget mm-hmm. and we're, uh, we've got these low quality pages that aren't actually serving us in the slightest. So maybe we should actually be getting rid of some pages. And, and I've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of sites have success with a process of, of refining the website down so that uh, what remains is just the, the best quality stuff and the highest visible, mm-hmm. highest visible. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, uh, you remind me one client, and uh, I remember when I asked him uh, what's going on with the project, uh, and he replied to me, you know, uh, I was wasting like uh, a week to fix uh, uh, errors or uh, from one uh, SEO tool. And I asked him, okay, clarify, what kind of pages have you fixed? And he replied to me, I wrote uh, alt text to pictures uh, for page about us, about company, and many other pages. And I replied to him, to him you know, uh, you don't need to do it because we are not going to get traffic for, the, for these pages. We, we are not going to rank them. So it's better to uh, spend your resources to fix other errors. Can you tell how to prioritize uh, these technical errors or any other things that uh, SEO tools can provide, uh, including your tool, and to, to choose priorities? Because uh, when we have limited resources, we can't fix everything. But when we prioritize, we can fix something that will bring results in the future. Very good question. I, I think I would come back to my... Um, so we publish our test results, or we publish a, a mm-hmm. lot of our test results on, on the Search Pilot website under the case studies section. And as I said, the email newsletter is, is where we um, announce those to folks as well. And I would say subscribe to that. And actually, I do a lot. Of, I need to put a search bar on our own website, but I do a lot of um, you know searching for a keyword site, searchpilot.com on Google to try and find. Uh, so you mentioned alt text, for example. I will do alt text site colon searchpilot.com to see if we've written a case study about it. And it turns out we have. We have one that says, look, we've tested this and we've never been able to measure a, uh, 
an uplift in organic traffic as a result of it. And I would say, okay, well, in which case, let's deprioritize that and let's move on to the next item in the checklist. Whereas something like broken schema, okay, if mm -hmm. the schema is broken, we have a whole load of tests that show that that can be highly impactful. And so I would move that up the testing queue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, can you tell uh, which methods do you use to uh, tell more about uh, features on your tool, uh, how to handle the process? Because, uh, for example, uh, someone can buy uh, SEMrush, IHRS, MOS, and they usually use 5% of all features. You know, uh, when we have a lot of data and uh, in most cases they are ignored, can you tell? How to learn more about SEO tools and uh, including your tool? Uh, how you help your customers to learn uh, more how to use all features and get more results? So, so our tool is very focused. So, you know, some of those tool sets you mentioned do 20 different things, and it can be quite hard to keep track of all of those different uh, features. For mm -hmm. us, we just do the one thing. And so we don't have that kind of long tail of features that people don't know about in, in quite the same way. But we still focus very heavily on what we call customer success, which is exactly that, helping our, helping our customers make the most of the tool and the platform. Um, mm -hmm. As I mentioned, we work with bigger customers typically. And so a lot of them have paid support built in. So they, our team helps them build a testing program and uh, figure out what tests to run and actually build those tests and analyze the data and do all of that. So our answer is we, we have a team of people who help with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you're talking about the tool sets, so people like Moz or Ahrefs or SEMrush, there is so much going on in those tool sets uh, these days. I think probably the answer is to specialize and say, you know, I'm going to pick one and I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with the documentation. I'm going to spend time with the tool. I'm going to really learn how this tool works. And mm -hmm. when there's something I want to be able to do, my first port of call is going to be to say, can I do it in my tool? Um, you know, the, mm -hmm. the one I understand, the one, the one I know well. And um, only if I get stuck do I fall to one of those other providers. And, and I think you can do well with any of them, to be honest, these days. Like the, the data is so much more available than it was when I was getting started in, in SEO, for sure. Uh, when, you know, back in the day, Moz was really the only, the only option. Um, but now there's, there's a ton with great, great data. So if, if there's a specific feature you need, then, then look to that tool set. But otherwise, I would say, yeah, like become an expert in one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Uh, I can't avoid one question. Uh, sorry for that. Uh, I can see some books on your background. Can you tell what kind of books uh, do you like to read and how they can help you to go ahead? Absolutely. So, so these books behind me uh, are more like to be my, um, my wife's books because I read mainly on the Kindle. Uh, so um, I'm in our kind of living space here. And, and so, uh, yeah, the, my daughter's keyboard, um, my son's PlayStation, uh, my wife's books. But I do read a lot. And um, I read a mixture of, I, I read quite a lot of nonfiction. So I do read some novels and, and, and so forth, but mainly I read nonfiction. And I read two kinds of things that are helpful in different ways. One is a lot of biographies and, and kind of historical uh, mm -hmm. information, which I find very useful because... The one thing that's true over a long period of time is that human nature hasn't really changed. So, you know, leadership principles, uh, management principles, things that people did to be successful hundreds of years ago are pretty likely to still be, uh, still be successful. And also a lot of those sources of whether it be, you know, conflict or uh, whatever else it might be, 
again, the, those things haven't changed dramatically. Details have, you know, we have more technology now, um, maybe the, you know, the society is richer, all those other things. But um, the, I, I learned a lot from those. So I, I've just finished reading a book about um, the, uh, the chairman of the, of the Fed in the US. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, that was um, uh, Alan Greenspan. And um, that was fascinating because it covers his lifetime, but also his influences and those kinds of things. And it's not directly related to SEO, of course. But it brings um, knowledge of leadership principles, knowledge of uh, management and, and ways to get ahead in those complicated areas. And then I also read some books that are much more, um, either much more focused on technology or business. So um, you know, for, for the most part these days, I don't spend as much time learning about SEO and marketing from my reading. I'm more likely to spend time with how to run a SaaS business, entrepreneurship, uh, all of those kinds of areas. And um, I listen to some of those on audiobook as well um, and try and yeah, just taking that information from, from a nice broad range of, of areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I love reading books as well. Uh, I usually do it uh, before sleep, you know, to spend like uh, 20 minutes, an hour. It depends, you know, of my time. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and uh, I agree it's better to read various books it's not only about seo or digital marketing uh, many great books about business and uh, yeah sales uh, other stuff self-improvement uh, and yeah it's more about learning human psychology because google pays more attention to satisfy user intent and if you know how to understand human psychology you can create awesome content uh, provide uh, nice campaigns, you know, to get results. So yeah, I love your experience. Okay, I have the question about uh, promotion. Can you tell which methods do you use to promote your uh, SEO testing software and uh, and why? Just explain about that. Yeah, so uh, we start with content. Unsurprisingly, this is our background. You know, we, we understand organic channels probably best. And so we have uh, a range of content from the case studies and test results that I already mentioned. Uh, email newsletter, uh, as well as our blog. And so we're putting out all of those kind of pieces of content and then occasionally more like gated content. So, uh, you know, a, a download behind a web form and, and those kinds of areas. Um, most of the, most of our effort goes into organic promotion. So on social media, the, a lot of the team are active. We, one of the things of the benefits of having been around in the industry for a long time is having individual and company followings on social media, particularly, I mean, Twitter is my favorite, but also LinkedIn has been increasingly effective for us. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we do some paid promotion as well, mainly on LinkedIn, a little bit of Google ads. Uh, but because what we do is something that not a lot of people are searching for yet. So there's not a, there's not a huge search market for mm -hmm. uh, SEO testing software. We find that social media is more effective. So it, it tends to be, uh, yeah, LinkedIn stream ads, and uh, organic social and email. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell more about LinkedIn paid ads? Uh, because I know LinkedIn is expensive, but yeah, we, we can get uh, much better customers. I don't know. It's the yeah, it's the targeting that makes it worth, worthwhile for us because, um, you know, as I mentioned, we're, we're not necessarily trying to reach the mass market of thousands mm -hmm. of small businesses. We're trying to find the, you know, VP of uh, search or the uh, director of digital at mm -hmm. a big e-commerce retailer 
for example. And so the fact that we can target LinkedIn adverts by job title, by company, that's what makes it work for us. We use HubSpot mm -hmm. uh, for our CRM and mm -hmm. we can connect HubSpot to LinkedIn advertising, which lets mm -hmm. us measure not just cost per lead, but cost per target market lead. So that's our, our key metric is target market leads. So people who are who work at the kind of company that we want to win as customer, and we look at the cost per target market lead. So we find on, on LinkedIn, it can be you know, $20, $30 per lead. And it's only twice that maybe for a target market lead, you know, $60 or $70 mm -hmm. for a target mm -hmm. market lead. Whereas other channels we find um, maybe a cheaper for a lead, you know, you get a lead for $10, but they are um, only one in 20 is, is a, a target market company. So actually they're much more expensive when you look at the, uh, the ability to bring in target market leads. So yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's what we about that. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I love it because uh, I, I often see when the masters are looking for getting uh, cheap clicks, you know. But if you can't sell it's your product, right? You know, if you if you sell advertising or you sell lead gen mm -hmm. in certain consumer areas or whatever else, then yeah, you need you need much much cheaper than LinkedIn can ever offer. But I think in B two B and B two B SaaS, especially where you know the lifetime value of a customer to us is is very high, and mm -hmm. especially when we're looking for uh, leads at big companies then mm -hmm. yeah, it, wor it works really well for us. Uh, I'm interested about uh, the process to, uh, for example, if you uh, find a list of uh, potential customers, how to reach out to them? And uh, because uh, most of them are so busy, they have no time to test many uh, new uh, tools, software. Uh, for example, I usually get a lot of spam every single day. Uh, uh, some of them are personalized. Yeah, I can spend some time to analyze about this tool but uh, because of many things that I need to do uh, I, I usually skip it yeah uh, it's the process can you tell how to uh, convince uh, potential customers to learn more about your tool and uh, yeah to get on board yeah so I think I mean my experience is the same as yours you know I, I delete the same spam you do uh, and our target market is probably even busier than uh, than I am so mm -hmm. my view is that kind of cold outreach is very, very hard to make that work. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, we don't even try. We do all of our outreach to people who know us. So step one is being known by a wide range of people. And that, some of that mm -hmm. is content. Some of that is getting them signed up to the email lists. Some of it is conferences. So increasingly, we're speaking. You know, we're back in person at conferences, finally. Uh, I'm traveling to Philadelphia uh, next week mm -hmm. for Best Love. Um, Search on Philly, which will be great. A chance to be in person again. I'm going to be in Seattle for MozCon in July. And so mm -hmm. a lot of our audience goes to those kinds of things. We were at Brighton SEO um, a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. and so yeah, step one is, is, is become well known and, and get, those, get the people to know who we are. Next step is to get some kind of permission from them. So have them engage with our content in some form or another. And then it's only then really that we start reaching out to them and uh, start trying to build that build it into a sales pipeline rather than a marketing pipeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Uh, okay, I have the question about uh, uh, can you lead uh, my audience how to learn SEO today uh, from your experience? For, for example, if you start from scratch uh, without any experience, knowledge, uh, what will you do today to start learning more about SEO? Uh, I'm a big fan of, well, two things. 
of from absolute scratch, I would start by just writing on the internet. That mm -hmm. would be my start. Start blogging, start writing on your own website. And that teaches you so much. It teaches you about getting a domain name set up. And, uh, you know, you start to see a little trickle of traffic coming in. You can set up your analytics and you can start to see what's going on. Um, I actually am a big fan of the Moz beginner guides um, on moz.com. I think that's mm -hmm. uh, aimed at a very good level for the complete beginner, the entry level kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, yeah, as I say, start by writing, start by setting up analytics, and then gradually move on to tweaking things, making changes and seeing what happens in the search results. And, and I think that feeling of power, uh, a lot of people get, get kind of hooked on, on that feeling of being able to make a change and see it show up in uh, in the search results. Um, and then yeah, my, my path was that leading to uh, building websites, leading to partnering with you know, a small local business and just making some changes to their website and helping them get more business. And that just became addictive, basically, just you know, working with the local hairdresser or the local um, physiotherapist or whatever it might be to help them improve their website. I think if somebody's starting from scratch, there's still a ton of opportunity to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, and uh, I have the question about uh, the future of SEO. Uh, can you forecast? Uh, what kind of future will be because we have many new things that we are coming like I don't know uh, metaverse uh, web 3.0 many many other stuff can you tell uh, SEO has a shiny future or uh, many other things can destroy SEO and it will be die that we can read yeah I, I often get this question you know SEO is dead or not what I'm thinking about that can you t reply to this question so my, my perspective is uh, SEO is very healthy and I have a, a, a very optimistic about the future of organic search uh, as mm -hmm. a channel. I think for all of the noise around everything else, social media and as you say, metaverse, web three, there's most websites get the majority of their visitors from organic search. Uh, and mm -hmm. actually, if you narrow it down to new visitors, they get almost all their new visitors from organic search, most of them. And so I don't see that trend changing. I think actually there's a few things happening that might accelerate it uh, and, and make it even more powerful. I um, I think there's lots of tactical things that change. So whether it's uh, whether it's video, whether it's voice search, whether it's apps mm -hmm. on, your, on your mobile device, whether it's things we haven't even thought of yet in artificial reality, those are little tactics that tweak and change as you go along but the philosophical perspective changes much much more slowly so what do people want do we have it on offer is it findable have we set up the you know the structure of, of what we do so that it can be found first by google and then by people on google um mm -hmm. i'm actually talking at moscon about the future of seo and looking at the next three to five years, kind of you know, shortish time horizon, because nobody can predict 10 years out, I don't think. Uh, but on the short time horizon, I think um, that the trend is going to be towards less of the just making changes to your website, you know, un untested, on-page tweaks. That That's something that needs to kind of go away, at least in, in highly professional, large website environments. And what we move towards instead is a combination of 
SEO testing, which is what we do, and production of new content, design of new site sections, big campaigns, those kinds of things. And uh, you know that that sounds pretty self-serving. I think the future of SEO is what what I do, but uh, it's kind of the other way around. This is what I'm working on because I think it's the future of SEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, Will, it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you. You shared a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Uh, yeah, so the simplest way is on Twitter. So I'm at Will Critchlow. So my, wait, I can't do this. There it is. <laughs> Why can't I? <laughs> I can't point at this. <laughs> it's hard to there. Yeah, it's hard. there it is. There. Uh, <laughs> at Will Critchlow, all one word on Twitter. That's the easiest way. Uh, my company is Search Pilot, which is at Search Pilot on Twitter or searchpilot.com. And yeah, I look forward to uh, chatting with your audience and, and learning some more. But um, it's been great talking to you today. Okay, guys, you can find all these links if you are listening on Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, find these links in the description below. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love all your insights. Welcome back anytime. And uh, guys, uh, listen and watch us uh, on YouTube. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.